Thank you very much. So this is the fourth in our series um, talking about work. My name is Philip Coltup, as Stuart just said. So if any of you don't know me, I will tell you a little bit more about myself in a minute. I just want to, first of all, give us a little reminder of what Stuart has covered so far in the first three sessions. The first session we talked about work is good. God himself works. God worked through creation. We talk about the finished works of Jesus on the cross. And God is working, even now, holding all things together by his powerful word. We are created in God's image, and therefore we were made by God also to work. And God has actually made work dignified. God dignifies work. God says work is good. All work, equally good, whether it's office work, cerebral or thinking work, raising children, managing the house, manual labour, caring professions. It's all good and all dignified in the eyes of God. In the second session, we talked about the effect of sin entering the world, when man, through Adam, chose to rebel against God. Sin entered the world. And along with all creation, including mankind, work, which was good, became cursed. It became hard, unfruitful and ultimately pointless. But the good news is that we talked about work and the gospel in week three. Jesus, the Son of God, fully man and fully God, came into the world and he took upon himself the wrath of God that our sins deserved when he died on the cross. God raised him from the dead and we worship a living Saviour. That means that we can now enjoy relationship with God unhindered by sin because if we come into the presence of God trusting in Jesus, then our sin is replaced by his righteousness. That's amazing that we are declared righteous before a holy God. And we take with us that message of the gospel, that truth of our salvation, wherever we go, whether it's work, whether it's into our homes, out and about, leisure centres, whatever we are doing, that goes with us and that impacts the world around us. So today's title is All Work and No Play. How to balance work and all our other commitments that make up our busy lifestyles. So just a little bit about myself. I left Bristol University a few years ago with a degree in chemistry and I applied for anything that had the word chemistry in the advert. I ended up working for a company called LRC Products, formulating cough medicines, gripe water, shampoos, homebrew kits, um, working in a laboratory and a factory environment. During that time, which was three and a half years, I discovered that I was good at and enjoyed analytical aspects of chemistry. I then moved to, a, to Glaxo Group Research, which became GlaxoWelcome and then GlaxoSmithKline, 
through a series of mergers, and I worked for them for 29 years. I started work as a bench scientist. I then became a team leader and a manager, and towards the end, I also had a role overseeing projects for my area of expertise, which was drug metabolism. Two years ago, um, I had the opportunity to retire early from GSK in order to come up here to, for Wendy and I to come up here and to be a part of Real Life Church. Wendy and I have three children, all grown up now, and so through my working life, I experienced the demands and the joys of children from babies through small children and through teenagers. We always have been very involved in our local church in Bishop Stortford. For the first five years, we went in from a village 11 miles out two to three times a week, often, um, with our two young girls in tow. Um, and then when we moved to Bishop Stortford, we ran life groups or small groups. Wendy worked in children's work. I headed up the trustees and oversaw the finances for the church. And for the last five years, I was also an elder. In our spare time, we love gardening, we love hill walking, um, and mountain walking. I like watching football on the TV, and DIY projects around the house. Um, so as you can see, life is full and busy. For all of us, we live in a very busy culture, don't we? There are unprecedented demands on our time and energies from an ever-increasing number of sources. There is a continual drive for profit, productivity and performance. And you know, I think that even starts at an early age with our school system and everything else, even the youngsters. Performance, performance, performance our society and our culture puts on that pressure. There's unrelenting bombardment from electronic media, from the phone, mine's off, computers, TV. Imagine, if you will, for a moment, a bird's nest filled with young birds, all with their beaks pointing up in eager anticipation, and the parent bird comes along with a small amount of food. I wonder what goes through the parent's mind. Which one do I feed first? Is it the one that shouts the loudest? Is it the one that looks smallest and maybe the most neglected, needs building up? Is it, do I do it by rotation? Do I feed the one that I enjoy feeding the most? Maybe we could put tags on each of those little birds for the purpose of the illustration. Maybe one says work. Maybe one says family. Maybe one says leisure activities, serving in the church, God, husband, wife, relationship with God, children, whatever. Which one of these demands do we feed first? I'm not proposing today to give a list of tips on how I balanced my life, because I think we've all got to find ourselves what is the best and right way for us to do that. 
But what I want to do is to provide some biblical principles to get us thinking. I just want to pray, because I really want the Holy Spirit to, to work in our hearts as, as I'm doing this. Lord, I pray that you will come and bring your word to life. I pray that you will come and bring truth to us in the form of revelation. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will search each of our hearts this morning and reveal to us where our hearts lie. What is important to our hearts and where we need to change our hearts. Lord, will you come and will you build us up and teach us this morning? Amen. So the first thing that I want to bring to us is that God is in all and over all. Ephesians 4.6 says, There is one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So how do you think about all the demands of life? Do you compartmentalise? I wonder if any of you noticed my deliberate mistake when I was giving the bird's nest illustration. I said we can put the tag of God around one of the birds. But we should not compartmentalise God. God is in all and over all. Acts 17.28 says, For in him we live and move and have our being. I just want to read a few verses from Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. We cannot get away from God, which is a great thing. But we tend, if we're not careful, to compartmentalise things and exclude God. When God is part of us, part of everything that we do. Likewise, we should not compartmentalise faith. We build life on faith. We do not build life around faith. Sorry, we do not build faith around life. Let me get that correct again. It's complicated. We build life on faith. We do not build faith around life. Work and family seem, may seem to be quite separate but they are brought together under God as we submit every area of our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The Bible actually doesn't really seem to address directly the issue of work-life balance and it may be because our culture has changed so much. In biblical times and actually until fairly recently in the scale of history, work and family were totally integrated. People worked in family businesses, often from the home. Um, children were brought into the family business at a fairly young age. And there was limited travel. Jesus himself worked as a carpenter with his father, Joseph. I tried to bring family and work closer by doing a number of fairly simple things. 
I used to talk about the positive aspects of work at home. I showed my children where I worked. I took them to work whenever possible. We had open days and and family events sometimes at work, so we went and they could see where, where I worked. And I talked about... I talked about people that I work with. You know, there were one or two that I actually think my children felt as if they knew, even though they'd never met them. So God is in all and over all. Let's not separate God out and let's commit every area of our life to his lordship. The second thing is that we need to honour God in all that we do. Now to read from Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. If we want to live life well, we should seek to honour God in all that we do. The first verse, verse 17, and the last verse is said, in whatever we do, do it for God and in honour of God. So that covers everything, every component of life, work, family, serving in the church, our leisure activities, building relationships with God. It says do it wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly for God and in the name of God, for his glory. Notice as well that it says whatever we do in word and deed. So it's not just what we do, but what we say. So his work is included in the whatever we do. Whatever we do in work or in business must be done with integrity and a sense of Christian service. Now, placed between those verses at the beginning and the end, which are about what we do and how we do it, there were clear instructions on family life and relationships. And it seems to me to underline that all of these areas of our lives must come under the lordship of Jesus. But it also shows us that God cares about them and values them all. And it also makes clear to us that we have responsibilities under God and need to give each area proper attention and commitment, which comes back to the balancing and the need to balance. So how do we balance all of these demands and live up to the high calling of God to honour God in all of them? Well, we need God's help. And we need to pray regularly, seeking God's grace. We have to prioritise I had a number of bosses during my time working at GSK, but one boss 
when I, ch- I just changed bosses and he called me into his office one day, sat me down and with, with no warning said to me, Philip, what are your top three priorities? And without any time to think, I said to him, God, family and work in that order. He was a little bit taken aback and said to me, well, I'll go along with the second one of those. I said to him, but I tell you, although I put work third, when you've got me, you've got me and I will work hard and I will work diligently and I will work with integrity. But I had to prioritise. In his book called God at Work by Ken Costa, he's um, a man who worked in uh, the city in banking, investment banking, very high up for many years. He's the um, executive director of, of Alpha International. He's on the leadership team of Holy Trinity Brompton, a very busy man. And he says this, Priorities are essential if we are to achieve our ambitions and at the same time hold on to our values. I believe that the right order of priorities is God, our core relationships, and the work God has called us to do. Interesting. If we are to achieve our ambitions and at the same time hold on to our values. We have to take control of and responsibility for the pattern of life that we want to lead. Otherwise, we will be taken along by the tide of society's expectations. This means that we have to be responsible for setting and enforcing the boundaries that we want in our lives. But as Christians, we must be led by the Holy Spirit in this and not just conform to the world's pressures. Romans 12, 1-2 says this, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. We are here on this earth primarily to bring glory and worship to God. Our primary purpose here is not to achieve success, although we may do that, but it is to glorify God. We are urged to be transformed by the Holy Spirit and by God's word and not to conform to the world, but to test what is God's good, perfect and pleasing will. So when we look at the balance across our lives, I think what we need to do is to ask if we are fulfilling God's purpose for us in every area of our lives. If one area of our life is dominating to the detriment of others, we need to ask, is this just a short season or is it a trend that needs adjustment? If it is a trend then I think we also need to look at who or what has our heart. Of course, there will be times when we have to put in more hours at work than a balanced lifestyle would warrant. A special project, special deadline, or things like that. There will also be times when our family or friends 
quite rightly deserve far, need and deserve far more of our time than, again, a balanced lifestyle would, would warrant. But these are seasons. But the real question, I think, is does God have our hearts first and foremost? And are we submitting our work-life balance and our priorities to him? I urge you, Real Life Church, to put God first in your hearts. There are many other things that can compete. But believe me, job, family, leisure activities, hobbies, these things are not a rock. You cannot rely on these things for your stability but you can rely on him. Put him first. He will be your rock. We also need to submit our motivations to God. Are we working to provide what we need or what we want? in order to keep up with friends, society, expectations, etc., etc. Are we being driven by a calling from God or by a desire for worldly riches or status? The Bible speaks a lot about finding contentment in what we have, whereas the world urges us and shouts at us to buy the latest gadget or upgrade to the latest model. 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. So let's put God first and honour him in all that we do. The third thing and final thing that I want to bring before Matt comes and grounds some of this in the practical realities of trying to work this out in a, in a busy life right now is that regular part Sorry, that regular rest is part of God's plan for us. God himself rested from his work of creation on the seventh day and we are created in God's image. And we function best if we find our rhythms in God's rhythm. The fourth of the Ten Commandments instructs God's people to keep the Sabbath. Now, interestingly, all of the other commandments are mentioned one way or another in the New Testament, but this one isn't. So does this commandment still apply to us today? Mark Driscoll from Mars Hill Church in the US recently did some excellent teaching on the Sabbath. So I'm only going to say a very little bit, all of which I've stolen from him. But what I would like to do is to urge you to listen to it. It is excellent and it is freeing. So please listen to it. Hopefully we'll be able to put the link to it on the website when the uh, sermon goes up on the, the link as well. But he explores this question about does this still apply to us among a number of others. So a few key elements from Mark's teaching. The first point is that some of the Old Testament law, and by which I mean the law as in the whole law, as opposed to just the Ten Commandments, some of that falls into the category of law today, very obviously, like, you will not steal, you shall not murder. Obviously, those things 
form part of our law today. But some of it falls into the category of wisdom. If you do this, you will be wise. It will be good for you. It can be argued that the fourth commandment falls into the category of wisdom. It is good for us. Jesus said that he is Lord of the Sabbath and he stated clearly that man was not made for the Sabbath but the Sabbath was made for man. It is God's gift to us because he made us and he knows we need it. The question is, will we take a Sabbath joyfully or painfully? Or will we take it voluntarily or enforced? If we don't take the rest God has designed for us to have, something will break. And we, and not only us, but everybody that we share our lives with, will take the consequences of the lifestyle that we choose to live. The Sabbath should be a blessing to us, a day that looks different from every other day in the week, a day when we truly rest from our labours. And finally, by taking a Sabbath, a day of rest every week, we imitate God and in doing so we worship him. And I think also we demonstrate trust in him because we're saying, actually, God, it's not me that's in control, but I submit myself to you. You are in control. So Matt's going to come now and talk, uh, put it, some of this into practical, practicalities, and then I'm going to come back and wrap things up at the end. Thanks, Philip. Um, yeah, Stuart just asked me, as sort of part of this, to kind of talk about my life a bit. My life is far from perfect. Please don't hear anything I'm saying as this is how you should rule your life. I'm just going to give you some examples of, to be honest, how um, I've tried my best to apply some of these principles Philip's been talking about. And sometimes it's gone really well, sometimes it's gone really badly. But I'm trying, and I'm always sort of persevering and trying to improve my life. And hopefully... There might be some snippets of advice in there that are useful. If they're not, that's fine. Just listen to Mark Driscoll, and he's got awesome advice. A um, bit about me. I went to university in Nottingham. I spent a year out working for the church back in Bishop Stortford. I'm one of those people that moved up from there. Um, when I did that year team for the church, lots of music and theology, that's where I got baptised in the spirit for the first time. And for me, to be honest, that's when my Christian faith really started. It's when my life changed, when I really started living for God, hearing from God, and he became my sort of number one priority. Um, I then, after a year of working for Nortel Networks, um, was made redundant or took voluntary redundancy and I became a teacher. One of the things I said I would never do, I love maths, so I'm never going to be a teacher, um, I've now been teaching for 12 years. Um, I'm assistant head teacher at a school in Brown Hills, sort of eight miles up Chester Road, um, and I actually really enjoy it. And I, it was the, absolutely the right decision. It's something I love doing, and I've now found myself in probably the most enjoyable job, the busiest job I've ever been in, but the most enjoyable job I've ever done. And I, I do honestly love it, even when I'm tired. Um, we felt called to Sutton Coalfield when we were living in Bishop Stortford, and I don't really want to talk about that, but if anyone's interested to hear my testimony along with my wife, Philippa, um, we did a talk 
probably, I don't know, it was quite a few months ago now, about worship. And if you listen to that, we talk a bit more about how we ended up moving from Bishop Stortford to Sutton Coalfield, if that's of interest to you. Um, but at the time, I was working for a school. I was getting on really well. And to be honest, my head teacher knew what my priorities in life were. I'd always been very clear. My priorities in life weren't God, family, work. She knew that. I was doing my job well. I was moving up through the ranks. And I went to see her one day, um, quite emotional, and just said, actually, we feel God has told us, called us, asked us to move to Sutton Colford as part of a church, part of a church plant, and we're going to make that move. That's what we're going to do. Um, now I've got some boxes. I'm a school teacher, sorry. I have to kind of... Um, use things like this. So at that time, we were definitely listening to God. This is my God box. Um, And my head knew that about me. She knew that because actually I had been honouring my work and working really well, moving up through the ranks at the school, she knew I was doing a really good job with my job, but she also knew there was no point arguing with me. And her words to me were basically, I'm not going to offer you any promotions to make you stay. I understand where you're at. What I am going to do is I'm going to go see my Christian sister. She wasn't a Christian, but her sister was. I'm going to go see my Christian sister, and I'm going to ask her to pray to God to change his mind because we want to keep you. <laughs> so I, I, quite, I was very encouraged by that, just from the point of view she understood me and where my priorities were. She didn't have an issue with us, that that's kind of where my priorities were. Um, and this is kind of how I used to live my life, in boxes. Philip talked about being compartmentalised, but this is how it kind of was for me. So I said, right, we're going we're gonna to kind of follow God. We're going to move to Sutton Coalfield. That's what we're going to do. Um, so what do we need to do that? Well, I need to get a job. Excellent. So I've got myself a job. I've got God sorted. Now we find a house. So we found a house. Fortunately, the job helped me to provide for my family. Is that the right one? Excellent. And we were moving to Sutton Colford. So I thought, check, everything's in order. Following God, I can afford a house for my family. I've got a, got a job I can do. Brilliant. Everything's in order. So then we move up here. Um, and I try, and, I try to kind of keep these things in balance. Um, I've changed my job as the time's gone on, and my wife's become, my wife, my life has become busier. My wife's busier as well, but my life is definitely busier too. Um, and I've tried to kind of keep honouring these things. Now, if I take, you know, this week as an example, I had to do a couple of 12-hour days this week. I'm sure I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone in that. And I was putting work first. So I kind of think, right, I've done my 12-hour days. I've hardly seen my family. So what am I going to do? Well, tomorrow, I'm going to leave work early. That means I get to honour my family and spend some time with them, honouring my family, honouring my work. God's honoured. Check. Then I think, well, hold on a minute. I've left work on Monday. I left early. So I've just put my family and I've ignored my work. I'm now behind in my work. So hold on a minute. I now need to come around again and put my family, my work, and God. God's on top again. It's all okay. I've honoured my family because I've come home early. I've done some extra work. God's honoured. And this is how my life became. And I'm just going to change those round because I don't like that order. Um, and I quickly realised, just like Phil said, compartmentalising life doesn't work. You end up juggling, you end up going round and round in circles and actually want to step away from those boxes and say, this is just my principle. I don't need to keep turning these things around. All I need to do is sit back in my quiet times, in my time with God, and just say, God, am I honouring you in the way I'm living my life? Break that down a bit further. Am I honouring Philippa, my wife? Am I honouring my children? Am I honouring my family, my parents who are here supporting us today? Am I honouring my job? Am I working enough hours? 
Am I working with the right ethic? Am I being positive at work? Am I honouring work? Yes, I am. Brilliant. Let's move on. And it doesn't mean that every day I had to get these things back in the right order. What it meant was I just need to keep check. Am I honouring? And there are other things in life, obviously, we need to honour. But for me, these are kind of the key things that have been going around. So that's kind of my first piece of advice in terms of passing on things to, if it's of any use to anyone, it's a principle. I've taken control of the pattern of my life. I've stepped away from juggling this. And I'm just making sure in life I honour these three things. And I don't need to keep moving them. So um, hopefully that maybe helps people a little bit. I don't know. Maybe, maybe no one else can mentalise his life. Um, Philip said we have to take control of the pattern of our life. And I, we've really had to do this. You might think this is a little bit weird. Phil and I try and sit down on a Sunday and plan our whole week. We sync up our calendars, we sync up our diaries, we talk about the week and we look for available time. Um, we've realised that life is busy, we balance a lot of things and actually when we started planning out our week we realised how much extra time we could create. I now get into work half an hour early each day, which actually isn't that bad. Uh, it means getting up at six rather than half six, not the end of the world. But I generate two and a half hours work. If I do those two and a half hours work in the morning, I don't have to work one evening. And suddenly I've got an evening to spend with Phil. And we only started to realise these things when we actually broke our week down. For us, our kids go down at seven. Muso's band practice tends to start at eight. There's an hour, maybe 45 minutes every night. What are we doing with that time? So we've allocated it. We said, actually, sometimes we're going to keep in touch with friends via Facebook and email and phone calls. Sometimes we're going to sit down together and force ourselves to talk. Otherwise, we don't have contact. Then we start um, miscommunicating, and then we have all kinds of trouble. So we've just planned out a whole week. And for some people, that might seem kind of too religious, too false, too fixed. But I'm just going to throw that out there as an idea, particularly, I think, as some of the younger guys in the church are kind of going to get busier and busier as life goes on. Actually, look at your week. How much time do you spend watching TV, watching films, on Facebook, on Twitter, whatever the latest things are that I don't know about? Um, you know, what do you actually do with your time? I'm kind of breaking it down. That's, that's been life-changing for us because Phil and I now communicate so much better because we can see straight away, hold on a minute, we're not going to talk for three days. That's awful. That's not how to build marriage. So we make sure we then move things around, drop things if we need to, to make sure we're kind of honouring each other. So my... My second advice there really is to maybe have a go at doing that, breaking down your week, you know, where is my time going, what am I doing with that? And the last thing I wanted to talk about, this, is <laughs> this has been a really stressful two months and I have to admit that because thinking about how to balance work and rest, kind of work and other bits of life whilst reading all this advice, whilst being incredibly busy like a lot of us are, and I think I've got to stand up here, I just feel really false and really stupid because my life is in no way in a perfect order, but I think it's just useful to talk about some of these principles. And actually, I found Mark Driscoll's talk as well, sorry to talk about him again, really releasing, really helpful, really encouraging. And I did a bit of research having listened to it, and he said this pattern of life that God created was six days work, one day rest. That's the idea of the Sabbath. Sabbath means set apart. It's the holy day. It's set apart. It's different. It involves different bits of life. Um, but that was one day. That's how God kind of created us. And it was only, depends who you read, different points in history. A lot of people say kind of third or fourth century where they were basically saying, well, are we going to follow the sun god worship and the Christians who worship Jesus on a Sunday? That's their rest day. 
um, the Jewish population still kind of resting on a Saturday. What are we going to do? And historians seem to hint that, or they say, that basically the two days were put together into this two-day weekend. So up until that point, which actually wasn't that long ago, about 1,500 years ago, um, people only had one day. It was Saturday or Sunday. Um, and now, through history, Henry Ford apparently did a lot of work in establishing this five-day week. We now have this two-day weekend. And I thought, actually, if I look at my life and kind of what I do with my weekend, how different would my productivity and quality of rest be if I say, actually, God's designed me to have one day's rest? So one day which is set apart. And by rest, I don't mean sitting there doing nothing. I mean it's different. So... By way of an example as to how I've tried to apply this, for us, our set-apart day is Saturday. Um, to be honest, Sunday isn't set-apart. We spend a lot of time in the week getting ready for Sunday, preparing for Sunday. It's like work to us. It's something that's there every day. So getting here at 8 in the morning, half 8 in the morning, loading the car, packing down, getting home at 1, crashing out, thinking, oh, my word, I'm exhausted. It's not a set-apart day for us. So Saturday is our set-apart day. And on that day, I'm trying my very, very best to do no schoolwork and to do no church preparation whatsoever. So I put those things aside. I don't check my emails. I move away from that, and that's my set-apart day. And that's the day God designed me to have. In theory, then, if I've got that day on a Saturday, not... I hear this in the right way, I don't resent church in any way, I don't resent serving, I love, passionately love serving at church, it's why I moved to Sutton Coalfield. But I can then be so much more kind of embracing of Sunday, if you like. I don't resent loading my car in the morning, because it's one of my six work days. I've had my rest day, I'm recharged for the week ahead, I start church full of energy, ready to go, um, I enjoy serving at church, I do my five days work, and then I rest again on my Saturday. And Again, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this is right, this is wrong. I'm just saying as a principle, it's helped me to view my weekend. And again, my third and final thing I'm going to say is just to maybe think about your weekends. And if you, if you approach life from that basis, kind of six days on, one day off, if Saturday, for example, is your set-apart day, it's the day when you don't work, you, you have fun, you enjoy doing different things, you know, is there more you could be doing on a Sunday? And please don't hear this in a condemning way or anything like that. I'm just trying to throw it out there. You know, we have things like the PA team, the setup team. Um, and to be honest, some of them are short-staffed. We have three guys, well, yeah, it's mostly guys now, isn't it? Yeah, um, doing PA. You know, they're serving one in three weeks. It would be great to have some more people that are skilled in that area, that want to volunteer, that want to get involved. The setup team, I'm sure Philip's not going to say to people, no, I don't want you to help me set up on a Sunday morning. Um, different things you could be doing or maybe not even on a Sunday if Sunday is your set apart day maybe you could be volunteering on a Saturday or doing something a bit more so um, I would, I'm going to leave it there I would say I, I really recommend that talk by Mark Driscoll I've, I'm not going to stand up here and paraphrase what he said but I have um, just reproduced he kind of give he called them seven killers but I think they're actually top seven killers of an advice to protect your set apart, your Sabbath day. And I found these really helpful. Not all of them, to be honest. One of them, I'd take it or leave it. But the other six I found pretty useful. Um, so I thought it'd be useful. I give you those. You can take them away. You can talk about them, reflect upon how you set apart your kind of key rest day. Um, it tells you on there what to search for in terms of the talk if you want to have a listen to it. Please bear in mind that is my summary. Um, so if you want to hear it from the man himself, listen to the talk, because I could well have put my own things in there and done anything. So I put that 
um, override, and I'll hand those out in a minute. But yeah, just that's my life. That's how we're trying to juggle things. It works sometimes, other weeks it doesn't work, um, but we're trying. And I've asked guys, particularly Philip and Stuart, um, to speak into my life. If they look at my life and think, actually, that looks a bit weird. Why are you doing it? What are you doing? Have you tried this? I really, and I've asked them, and I really mean it, and I say this again. I want them to speak into my life. So maybe, again, we need people just to be open with and say, you know, what do you think of my life? How do you think I'm doing? You're on the outside. Maybe you've got a better reflection or picture of how, how my, <coughs> my life's going. Uh, yeah, I think that's me. Thank you, Philip. Great. Thank you, Matt. So I'm just going to summarise where we are with this, uh, what we've been talking about. So God is in all and over all. And we are called to honour God in all that we do. In our busy lives, we also need to remember that regular rest is part of God's plan for us. We need physical rest. We need rest for our minds and we need rest for our souls. You know, our true rest can only be found in Jesus. Matthew 11:28 to 30 says this, Come to me. That's a great invitation, isn't it? That's an invitation to all of us here today, whether we know Jesus or not. Come to me. And I would urge you to do that. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. We can find this rest by taking time to reflect on God, to reflect on his nature, what he has done for us, and his promises to us. As we submit our lives to his lordship, we can check regularly with him that we are doing that, that we are giving him first place in our lives. And finally, we need to draw our strength for all that God has called us to in work, family, church and all of life. We need to draw that strength from him because we will run out of our own. And his is freely available. Now while the band come up to prepare, I just want to read another quote from Costa's book, um, which actually includes the message version of the verses from Matthew that I just read out. It's um, a couple of paragraphs, but please listen, because I just think this is really, really helpful. And then I want to pray for us. When we are down, we tend to live dysfunctional lives. It is as if there is a constant sore that we cannot get rid of. 
which reminds us of the negative toe in our lives. The disciples were often brought down, as we are, by being tired or worn out. And Jesus promised them that he would restore a new rhythm to their lives and would show them how to live freely and lightly. Life has a rhythm for each one of us, which is given to us by God to enable us to live each day in sync with his grace and love. Our task is to seek his will and then to align our lives with his purposes. This will inevitably involve a close scrutiny of our patterns of living, our workload in the office and the other activities that frequently disrupt our well-being and motivation. We may well have to cut out activities that are fruitless and cause us to be exhausted. Jesus' advice on the subject is compelling. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Would you like to stand and I'd like to pray for us. Jesus, we're here this morning because you are our Lord and our God. And Father, I pray for each one of us that you will help us this week to reflect on our lives and our hearts honestly before you. And that you will show us areas where we are not at present putting you first, areas that are vying for that first place or areas that are sharing that first place or even areas that have taken that first place. In fact, Father, I pray that as we worship you this morning, you will show us those things and help us to sort them out. And Father, I pray that you will help us in our busy lives. Lord, as we are faced with that myriad of demands upon us I pray that you will help us to prioritise I pray that you will help us to be wise and I pray God that you will help us to rest and guard our lives Father we need your help in this it is hard but you are the all wise God and we submit to you and we pray for your help Father I pray for real life church this morning that you will come upon us by your spirit that you will in this time that we have now to worship you take us deeply into your presence and fill us with yourself yeah come Lord we need you and we seek you Amen